Thanks for joining the Sunrise Message of the Week podcast. We are a part of the Sunrise Podcast Network. For information on Sunrise Christian Center and our sponsors, the Sun Network and Seattle Bible College, check out our website at isunrise.org. Please help spread the word by subscribing, downloading, rating, and commenting on our podcast. The more you interact with our content, the more people will hear it. Pastor John Hammer continues our revival prayer series with a message entitled Perseverance Prayer, Breakthrough, and Bull Tipping. Check it out. Today we're going to talk about perseverance prayer, breakthrough and bull tipping. And so if you don't know what that title is about, you'll figure it out by the end of the message. Breakthrough and bull tipping. You see, there's a key to prayer being answered, and that is perseverance. And I believe that we have the wrong picture of prayer. I believe very often we have the wrong picture of prayer, and this has caused a lot of Christians to lose heart and to minimize the importance or the power of prayer because we see prayer in the wrong light or we see prayer in the wrong way. I think that uh, a lot of us look at prayer as maybe almost like a government, we go to like a government office and we are gonna submit a request for a permit or we're at the DMV and we're there and we do our time and we, you know, we gotta wait because that's what you do at the DMV and that's what you do in prayer. You wait and then you wait for an answer and then you kind of go up like, did, I pa- did my prayer pass the test? Did things work out? And then you wait and they're like, yes, you passed or no, you didn't. And then you kind of do the like, yay, I got it or the, I take the walk of shame or I got an 85%. And I, I mean, I guess I passed, but I'm not the best ever. And so at least part of my prayer got answered. And we kind of look at prayer as very transactional. Like we look at, we, we have a very Western Mindset. Not all of us here have a Western mindset because we have a multi-ethnic church, which is awesome. But in our American education system, we look at things through a very Western lens. We look through a very Greek kind of lens, through reason, through almost mathematical formulas. And so I think that that's really crept into the way we look at the Bible. And so we do get these, we do have promises from God that if we simply believe in faith, that God will grant these answers in prayer to us. And, and we should have that kind of faith. But we'll almost reduce the biblical view of prayer and the biblical worldview, the way we should really see life in reality down to like a simple formula. Well, Jesus said, pray and believe, and then you're gonna have what you asked for. And I did that a couple times and it didn't work. So obviously the Bible isn't real or the Bible isn't true, uh, but we need to always interpret scripture in the light of the whole of scripture. And the Bible gives us something much more dynamic to look at. And it's not necessarily complicated, but it's, to me, it's more like this powerful, mystical symphony of activity, of angels and demons, of, of uh, the, Paul talks about being lifted up to the third heaven. And so we see that there's maybe the, some people would interpret that and say that there's the, the first heaven would be the earthly heaven, like the literal heavens that we see when we look up into the sky uh, in the day or in the night. And then the second heaven would be a realm of spiritual warfare where angels and demons are, are, are at war. Uh, you know, the angels are, at war to do the bidding of God. The demonic realm is at war to do the bidding of Satan and to stop God's plans in the earth. And then the third heaven would be where God reigns, uh, the, the place of, uh, 
where we don't necessarily dwell in heaven for eternity as believers because actually the Bible says that heaven comes to earth and we have a new heavens and a new earth. So we actually live forever on a new earth, but heaven and earth become one in a sense um, at that point. So there is a heaven that goes on, but, uh, but the, the third heaven would be where God rules and reigns. And so we see what we look at is more of a war. And if you, if you don't understand a mindset of war when it comes to prayer, because in war, you don't just say like, hey, you know, like, we have the, the right purpose for this war. We've got bigger artillery. And so we're just gonna go over there on Monday and we're gonna go do this little thing and the war is gonna be over. Like, nobody goes into war with that kind of mindset. But Christians go into, into prayer all the time with that kind of mindset. Well, we got a need on Tuesday. We'll pray about it Monday and I'll say this. And then on Tuesday, I'll, and now, now don't get me wrong. There is, if you listen to this whole series, you're gonna understand there is a simple place for just declaring and believing the word of God. God said it, that settles it, it's done. Like there is a place for that. But you also have to realize that when you're talking about shifting a nation or pulling down crises or, or there's these different things that we're warring for in prayer, you gotta go into it. You gotta see the right picture. And so uh, what's not gained in the moment is gained in perseverance. And so uh, you've got to understand that you can have faith in prayer, you have declarations in prayer, and you can have fervency in prayer. And we can, uh, but we, we've got to have, there is a place for this thing called perseverance. Now, some people used to teach in the church in the faith movement that if you prayed for something more than once, it meant you didn't have faith for it. But Jesus himself does not teach, does not teach this. And we're going to look at his very words to us. Today, he taught us the principle of perseverance. Now, I think there is a place in growing in faith through Jesus' own demonstration and example. The reason Jesus could pray for a sick person in a moment, I believe, was because he lived a lifestyle of prayer. And he was so in tune with the Father that he could, he could pray and declare. And so we have that place, and we've seen that many times. There's many times where we haven't had to persevere for a specific need because we have faith. And I think as we grow in faith, there are certain areas where we can see instantaneous answers to our prayers, and I thank God for that. But there is also a principle that people need to continue to persevere. See, the, the definition of insanity, I don't know who, if this is a, a true definition, but you've heard it probably many times, is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. But I believe we look at the Bible, not the, not the full definition, of course, but as it relates to perseverance, the definition of intercession is doing the same thing over and over until you get results. See, sometimes people are like, well, if you do the same thing over and over, well, sometimes if you know about training for a sport, you do the same thing over and over because you're building more muscle, you're building more endurance. And so you're, not, you're, 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 you're expecting results when you get to a certain point. Right, And so the, the Bible teaches us about this importance of perseverance. So uh, let's pray, and I'm going to jump into the rest of the message. Father God, I want to thank you for this time to open the word of God, and I ask that you would give us a spirit of perseverance in prayer. Lord, not that things have to take long, but there are things happening in the world, not just the world that we can see with our physical eyes, but in, in the world at work, that behind the scenes, in the spiritual realm, that we don't always remember is a reality. And sometimes we're just praying like we think that uh, things should just be settled very simply. But Lord, the, the, it is simple to pray and believe, but there is so many complex things happening 
God, that we don't always get a perspective. And I pray that as we pull back the veil today of the scriptures, that you would pull off the veil in our minds that would stop us from persevering. And that, Lord, you would break any discouragement off of us because some of us have wanted to see you make a difference or see you answer prayer in our life. And we've, we've just maybe given up and we've lost heart. And we ask, God, that you would recover our heart today to persevere in prayer until we see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. So, number one, perseverance is, the, is, necessary, is the necessary but often missing key to faith for breakthrough in prayer. Perseverance is the necessary but often missing key to faith for breakthrough in prayer. In Luke 18, Jesus told his disciples a parable. In Luke 18, verse 1, he said this, he said, that they should always pray and not give up. Some translations say that they should, men ought to always pray, women ought to always pray and not lose heart. And he said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And so the, the thing I want to draw us to here is about perseverance. There's a lot to cover in this passage. It's powerful. But Jesus was trying to teach the disciples, men ought to always pray and not lose heart. And so we, we, we realize that there is a... that. There is a, a weariness that can come to us in prayer. And Jesus was trying to warn them, don't give up. Don't lose heart. And he said, even if an unjust judge was to help a widow because she just came repeatedly, he's saying, listen to the, what the unjust judge says. Jesus says, the key is in what the unjust judge says. Like, okay, I'll give her justice unless she wears me out. And then he says, don't you think God who has more mercy, more of a desire to hear the cries of his children, would bring justice to his own people and answers to their prayer than an unjust judge who doesn't even fear God or even really have a regard for people? Don't you think that, that God is going to come through more than this unjust judge would? And so he's saying God's going to bring justice and it's kind of this tension because he said even though you're praying day and night and you're in this perseverance which means things aren't happening maybe as quickly as you want to so you have to persevere through them. He says but I will bring justice quickly and so we see the paradox is that we see a lot of paradox in scripture is that we can expect quick justice while in the middle of persevering and waiting for the breakthrough. And so we have to Give ourselves to prayer. And Jesus says, will, when he returns, will he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man returns, isn't it interesting? Will he find a bunch of Christians that are, that are in a bunker somewhere that are trying to escape the world because they're so scared of everything that's happening? Or the church at the end times, the church at the time of the return of the Lord is to be on the forefront of crying out for justice, of occupying till God comes, of crying out before him and demonstrating faith. 
Not demonstrating fear. Not demonstrating hiding in a cave somewhere. Hiding in a bunker somewhere with a year's worth of food and ammunition. And like, I mean, if World War whatever breaks out across the earth, do you really think you're going to have enough food and enough water and enough ammunition to stop like a foreign army? I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong to protect your family or prepare for a disaster. There's wisdom in all of that. Absolutely. But, I, but what I'm trying to say is we have so many Christians that are more interested in escaping in fear in the end times than they are engaging in faith. And Jesus's picture that he paints for us is that the church in the last days is a people of faith that are standing for justice, that are praying for God's will to be done, that are on the forefront, I believe, of world events, not in some back room somewhere, uh, hiding under a table, but are up there saying this is what the purpose of God is in this hour. And we are not afraid to show love. We are not afraid to be engaged in the issues of this day or of the culture, but we are here to pray God's will and God's purposes into the earth. Don't give up. Breakthrough is coming. That's what Jesus is trying to say is don't give up. So faith is not demonstrated by just, I said it once and therefore I rest in it. I mean, there is a place for that. There is a time for when you get into praying for something for so long that your prayers just turn into thankfulness because you're so convinced that God is gonna do what you already asked him to do so many times that you now are in a place of thankfulness and rest. Absolutely. But there is a place of persevering. And I wanna say, don't give up. And I wonder how often we've given up in prayer. How often we've given up because things didn't come the way we want or the time that we wanted, but yet God was still in it. And what we see as we look at, at the whole biblical worldview of prayer is that God participates. God somehow accomplishes his perfect and sovereign will with the obedience, with the participation of humankind. Somehow he is looking for our obedience, our prayers, our intercession, our, our, our righteous acts in following what he's says and it's it, he's he's co-laboring with us he's looking for somebody that will stand in the gap the prophets say why would he why is there no intercessor why is there nobody rising up to pray God is always looking for somebody to accomplish his will and purposes through why didn't Jesus just come to the planet like he didn't just beam up one day and be like yo I'm God I'm the savior of the world bow to me but no he chooses a woman he chooses a virgin he chooses Mary to carry the Emmanuel, God with us. All of God's purposes. Think about that. For all of time and all of the planet are bound up in this little humble couple in Bethlehem. God is looking to cause his purposes to come to birth through you and me, through our prayers. And then how he calls us to obey out of that. And so he's looking for us to persevere. He's telling us, you're gonna need to not give up in the place of prayer. You could grow weary in your prayers because you could think that maybe things aren't happening the way you want, but yet don't give up because if the unjust judge is giving justice, your father in heaven is more ready and more willing to bring about justice for those who cry out to him day and night. 
Some have wrongfully said we don't need to persevere in prayer because Jesus said not to pray long prayers. Yes, in Matthew 6, he told them, as we covered that, he told us not to pray in public in a way that's to try to get attention and glory for ourselves. And not to pray these long prayers just to sound more pious and try to impress people. But in Luke 18, he says, Though my elect, though my chosen ones, my holy ones, my church is crying out to me day and night. And then the Apostle Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. So Jesus didn't mean that only acceptable prayers were just quick prayers where you pray. That's actually oftentimes it could just be laziness or it could just be us not wanting to surrender what we think is this most precious commodity, our time, right? But that Jesus said, the elect, the church is crying out to me day and night. And there is a biblical precedence for praying, prayer being the primary activity of the church. And I believe when the church strays from prayer, the church strays from power. The church strays from relevance because we've really got to break through these spiritual issues and things that are going on in the culture. A lot of the things that are raging in the culture wars, they're really spiritual issues at the root and they will not be ultimately solved through the stroke of somebody's pain making another law or another statute. I mean, there, we need good laws for people. We need injustices pulled down. But I believe ultimately we need heart transformation. And that comes when people are free from the spiritual bondages and junk that have, have, uh, have waged in war over generations of people's minds, right? And when people are liberated and unveiled and they get to see the truth and they get to see forgiveness and they get to see love and they get to see the reality of who Jesus is and how God's kingdom operates, then we're able to see God's purposes advance. And so it's really a matter of prayer that we are called to engage in at this hour, that God will make a difference. So may God cause perseverance. So breakthrough is coming. Fill the bowls up and tip them over. Tip the bowls. Here we go. Number two, perseverance is necessary to gain breakthrough in prayer because of the reality of spiritual warfare. I'm just giving us three snapshots that all relate to perseverance today. Uh, in prayer, in the scriptures. Perseverance is necessary to gain breakthrough in prayer because of the reality of spiritual warfare. And I'm gonna kind of quickly go through part of Daniel chapter 10. In Daniel chapter 10, verse one, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persian, Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. And at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. And then skipping down, says, so I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, who are you? Highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. And then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. 
This is so powerful when we start to understand what's happening. Daniel, the servant of the Lord, he's praying and he's in this deep place of prayer where God gives him a vision first of a war, of a literal war that's gonna break out. And he goes into a deep place of prayer for three weeks. And at the end of the three weeks, the angel, Michael, the archangel comes to him and wakes him from his slumber and says, hey, I was sent to you on day one. Are you catching this? For three weeks, he's praying. He says, God heard your prayer on day one and I was sent. But on my way there, the king of Persia, the prince of Persia, depending on your translation, he's now talking about a spiritual reality. He's not talking about the literal king or prince of Persia. He's talking about a demon power that ruled over that region uh, and the spirit that was behind that kingdom. He was, he was now in a spiritual battle. And he said, another chief, another ruling angel was sent to help me. Do you, so do we see that this picture of me sitting alone in a room with God of like, hey God, do you want to do this for me? And then I, I really believe you could. And then he either gives me the green card or the red card or the green pill or the red pill. And he's like, well, I guess today you get a green one. Good job, extra effort. Like that is not the picture of prayer. We're seeing that your prayers move angels and demons. Your prayer, there is a struggle over your prayers. Your prayers release spiritual warfare in the second heavens, in the realm where angels and demons are warring over what God's word is trying to accomplish in the earth. So it's so important that you don't give up. And I love this story because it gives us an accurate picture and an understanding to keep pressing in to keep persevering. Don't give up just because you haven't seen the answer yet. Don't think God hasn't heard you. Don't even think that God's necessarily telling you no right now. Sometimes the reason your answer is delayed is because there is a literal war going on. You can't see it. I can't see it. I can't understand it. And it's very easy to navigate life sometimes like there's no war going on behind the scenes. But there is a war going on behind the scenes. And when we have faith and we understand that our prayers are effective, ultimately the answer that he needed came to him. And he spent time fervently in fasting and prayer, seeking the face of God. God hears our prayers. Don't give up. Breakthrough is coming. Fill the bowls. Tip the bowls. Number three, perseverance is necessary because God collects our prayers in bowls and manifests answers in history in his ordained times and places. Revelation 5, we see a picture of heaven around the throne of Jesus, around the throne of the Lamb. And John the Revelator said, then I saw a lamb in Revelation 5, 6. He said, then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Pay attention to this. Each one had a harp. And they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Because you were slain. Or, and they sang a new song, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. So we see at the center of heaven's activity, 
heaven is wild. This spiritual realm is wild. We think of just angels and demons and, we think, of course, God and saints that have died and gone on to, to be with Jesus. And then we got living creatures and the seven spirits of God going out throughout the whole earth. There is a dynamic symphony of activity, of mystical power and reality that is, that is intermixing with history and what's happening in the earth. And this is the, this is the picture that the Bible paints for us is that there's, there's one world, if you will, but there's two realms. There's a, a physical and a spiritual realm that are at work. And so we see this interplay of, of, of heaven right now. And it says right there at the throne where Jesus is being glorified and there's 24 elders casting their crowns down and these living creatures flying around and there's angels. And we see that uh, as we look, if we looked at a little more of Revelation 4 and 5, we'd see thousands times, thousands times, thousands of angels. And so there's this huge company of angels and saints that have gone before us. And it says right there that these, these elders that are bowing down, that they each have a harp which represents worship and music, right? And then they have a bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Do you realize right in the center of heaven's activity is your and my prayers being held before the throne of lamb where Jesus's name is, is declared as the only name that is worthy. And there's this sweet smell, incense has a sweet smell and there's this fragrance and there's this smoke and there's this glory of your and my prayers that are being released before the throne. And then we skip a little bit ahead into Revelation 8. And it says that when the seventh seal was opened in Revelation 8, verse 1, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God, before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and hurled it to the earth. And there came peals of thunders, rumblings, flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Do you catch what's happening? Before the throne where God is executing his will and his word is being declared... It says that the, the elders have our, our prayers in these bowls. And then like an in, the, this bowl of incense, this incense is being offered before the throne. And an angel comes with the incense on the altar and the prayers of the saint and gathers them into a censer. And at God's appointed time releases what those prayers have accomplished back into the earth where there is released earthquakes, lightnings, thunders. What, what does that mean? It means that your prayers and my prayers are put in bowls in heaven and at God's appointed time, these prayers come up and then God uses the angels to, to take the accumulation of these prayers and maybe God adds some of his own incense and God adds some of his own, under his, his perfect will and understanding, of course, to the participation of our prayers. But what we're seeing is that then our prayers, our answers to prayers are shot back into the earth and, and we see that the church has the ability then to affect real things in human history through our joint participation with God and the activity of heaven. So what I'm saying is to persevere in prayers, to don't give up, 
Keep on persevering. Fill the bowls until the bowls are tipped over. Maybe there's things that we're praying about right now and the bowl is filling up, it's filling up, it's filling up, but it's not ready to get tipped back over yet. The answers aren't ready to come down yet because God understands timing. God understands different things that are at play. God understands what's happening in spiritual warfare at a level that we are not always privy to unless he shows it to us or reveals it to us. And so what I'm trying to get you to understand is that there needs to be a fire in the church's life for prayer, that we need to get back to praying and persevering until the bowls are filled, until the bowls are tipped over, until the angels in heaven are gathering the incense of our prayers that are going up before God, putting them in that censer and releasing them back into the earth. But that tells me that my prayers shake heaven and earth. My prayers influence heaven, and my prayers are to have an impact in human history. Come on, lightning, earthquakes, thunders, these are all tangible things that you could measure. Did they happen or not? And I believe that God wants to give the church such faith and authority in prayer, understand our authority that we do have in prayer in Christ, that we could literally shape the course of human history. And if we were to take time, if we had time today to look through church history and to look at the prayers of great men and women of God, you would see that it was often a praying people. If you read Reese Howell's intercessor book and you look at what happened through his life and the many people that came to faith in Christ and you look at even some of the battles uh, he really interceded for the pulling down of Nazism and it was incredible. If you track his prayers and how God used them, they fasted and prayed and God caused a great end to World War II and if you, if you look at and tracked his prayer life, it's incredible to watch how one man praying with a group of people could influence the course of human history. You, you, you could go back through many examples. Was it, was it uh, John Stott, who, the Mary Queen of Scots? I might be mixing up some of my history a little bit as I'm trying to pull it from memory. But she, she said, you know, more, more than all the armies. John Knox, thank you. John Knox, Yeah. She feared his prayers more than any invading army. And she was on record saying that. She knew that this man prayed and God's favor was on him. And if we look through the scriptures, people were afraid of when the apostles showed up because the sick were healed, because people came out of witchcraft. You look at the early church, the reason they were persecuted was because in like Acts 19 was because the witchcraft trinkets weren't working anymore and everybody's burning their books of the occult and their idols because they're not, they don't have power anymore. And so the whole, everybody that was profiting off the economy of idolatry was burning all their amulets and, and now they're losing their income. And the church was having such an effect that it, it affected the, the city and the region economically because people's hearts were being turned to Christ and realizing that they didn't need to put themselves in bondage to false gods to get their to get power, to get their prayers answered. You see, the church is at its best when we are a praying church, when we're persevering in prayer. And there is something that cannot be accomplished without our prayer. 
yeah, when God tells us to obey, we've got to obey. We can't just pray that God will do it without our obedience, but we can't just obey our way in to breakthrough in, in the sense that we, we need to pray. There's, there's, there's things that we can't accomplish through our own human actions that only, that it, we need the God factor. And we need a people that really believe that so much that we won't give up, that we won't lose heart that we believe that breakthrough is coming. So I'm telling you, it's time to fill the bowls, sunrise. It's time to fill the bowls, people of God. It's time in this hour to keep praying and keep praying and keep praying and keep doing the same thing until we get results, to keep worshiping and to keep lifting up his names. There is a quality that comes through perseverance. There is a quality that comes. Come on now, some of you know there's a quality to young love. There's that passion and that zeal, but there's no love like that old love, like those people that have been married for 50 years and still got that spark sparkle in their eye and finish each other's sentences and are each other's best friend. There's something that comes through perseverance. There's something that comes through continuing to give yourself to this, to this, to this encounter with God. You see, we look at prayer as this set of rules and this set of math equations and prayer is more like war. It's more like a husband and wife making love. Come on, it's more, it's, that's what really, I'm not trying to be crass, but I'm trying to say it's not about rules. It's a, at times it's a romance, it's a dance, it's a wooing, it's a, it's a love thing. And at other times it's a war and it's a fight and it's like, all my, I'm gonna put all, I'm gonna go all in on this, man. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take this time of human history. I don't know about you, but I don't want this, time of human history to pass, being a pastor, being a Christian, being a part of God's kingdom and saying, what did you do in that time? Well, we took a couple vacations and, you know, we were just kind of stressed and we shared a lot of stuff on social media about how mad we were at everything and how this side is wrong and that side is wrong. And like, no, like, what did we do? We prayed and God showed us what to do and God gave us breakthrough and God answered prayer. And I'm praying that God unravels COVID-19. I'm praying that there's a breakthrough in the earth, that if God's people would start to rise up and say, God, we need a way out of this. God, we ask that you would, you would unravel this disease and this pandemic. So many things that we're frustrated with and struggling about would really come to an end if there was a breakthrough in this disease dissipating and unraveling in the earth and so where are the where are the saints are you ready are you here are you with me I believe that we're in a praying church and I believe in a lot of ways I'm preaching to the choir but uh, amen thank you but what but what I want to say is that this is when the church ever feels marginalized or against the rope these are our finest hours I don't it doesn't bother me. I, I, I'm going to keep praying. And, I, and if, if we get to gather or we don't get to gather or we have to wear masks or we get to not wear masks, like that, I, 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 revival's not going to stop because somebody has a piece of cloth on their face. All right? Like, the, you, got, you, got people being, you got people being strung up and tortured and, and, and martyred in other countries. And, and we're acting like the greatest human rights infringement is that I can't wear a mask or I can't go to church like I usually do. And I'm just like, come on, guys, really? This is, I got bigger hills to die on. And that, I'm, that's the, I want everybody to get to know who Jesus is. I want to I live for the eternal purposes of God to be released into the earth. 
And I know I'm with a church that believes that, that we, we want God's truth. We want to see God unveil the lies and the things that have imprisoned people's minds and their hearts at this time and the ideologies that war against the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the time for the church to arise. This is the time for our finest hour. This is the time where the church has always thrived, when the church has served people and loved people and helped people, when the church has helped the poor and helped people that are out of work and helped with community issues and helped with public health crises and, and helped during plagues and famines and, and economic disasters. This is our, this is our time to say we are, this is where our joy makes a difference. This is where our generosity makes a difference. This is where our heart to reconcile and bring broken people together and bring parties and groups that are against each other and that hate each other and their hearts are blinded by, by evil. This is our time to make a difference. It's, it's our time to rise up in prayer. And so I'm gonna, I, want, I know I'm with the people, but this summer I wanna, I wanna fill some bowls so much that God says, hey, you know what? I can't deny this. I gotta give sunrise justice. I got to answer these prayers. These guys are too serious. They're skipping too many meals. They're fasting. They're praying. They're at church so much. Hey, they need it. They're, they're praying so much. They need a little bit. They need a little bit of rest. And so I, you know, like they're going to wear me out, but I want to do it. It's not that we're convincing to do things that God doesn't want to do, but we're going to see God's government, God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Would you just stand with me on your feet as we close in prayer today? Uh, Father God, I just want to thank you for this invitation, this holy, holy invitation, this holy call to be men and women, to be saints, to be the chosen, your elect God, who would pray day and night, who would cry out for justice in the earth, Lord God. Lord, there is a void of righteousness and justice in this land. Lord God, and yet there are many people that are proposing all these different solutions. And very often in our world, people are not looking to you, but we're asking that you would tear down every veil, Lord, and it would start in our hearts and in the church that would cause us to put our trust in any invention of man or any, any, any invention of this world's ways, Lord, that may seem right to a man, but their end is death. Lord, we are asking that you would put a spirit of prayer, Lord, and you would put a cry in the heart of the church upon us and that you would give us a spirit of perseverance, that we would not grow weary in doing good, that we would not grow weary in crying out to you day and night. And my prayer today, Lord, is let it start in me, God. Give me a spirit of perseverance in prayer, Lord, that I would give you no rest until I see your kingdom come and your will be done in this hour, Lord. I pray that you would visit us, that you would come upon us, and that you would do something great in this time. And this hour, God, that you would visit us in visions and dreams as you did in Daniel's life. That would give us keys of how to pray and see your purposes accomplished in this hour, Lord God. And above all, as we see that scene in heaven in Revelation 8, people that persevere in prayer put Jesus, the Lamb of God, at the center of their life. And as important as it is to be a person of prayer, the most important decision that you can make is to put Jesus at the center of your life. He died for your sins. He rose again. He entered into our story. He entered into human history to give us a personal, historical, physical representation of who God is. He's God among us. And he came not just to show us who God was, but ultimately to die for our sins on the cross and to purchase us and he wants to invite you into this family of eternity where you could know him, but you gotta make him the center. If he's gonna be the center of your eternity, you gotta make him the center of your today. Today is all that we know that we have. We don't know tomorrow's not promised us. 
And we live in a world where people surely don't know what their tomorrow holds for their health, for their finances, for where they're going to live, for what government's going to do tomorrow. I don't know what's happening tomorrow, but I know that I have today. And you have today to be reconciled to God. You have today to put Jesus at the center of your life. And if you believe that Jesus is calling out to you and you've never made a profession of faith or you've strayed from him and you realize that you need to reconcile, you need to put Jesus back at the center of your life, I'm just going to give you the opportunity right now, whether you're watching online or you're with us in person today, just to pray this prayer if you want to bring Jesus in the center of your life. Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus, that he died for my sin and that he rose again from the dead. I give you my life. I turn from my sin. I don't want to live life without you anymore. I turn my heart over to you. Be the Lord of my life. I give you all that I am. Empower me by your spirit to know you. I put you in the middle, in the center of my life. Lord Jesus, have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for the Sunrise Message of the Week. We would appreciate it if you would rate our podcast and write a review. Next week, Pastor Herb Marks continues our Revival Prayer Series with a message entitled, There is a Future.